It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroff, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Hey there, Bengals fans. Welcome back to another week of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Just in case you've forgotten who your hosts are, even though Joe tells you every day in the intro, I'm Jake. I'm joined by Joe Goodberry. We are both Bengals fans and analysts that you can find on Twitter. As always, when you get in your car, remember to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Bengals, and we'll keep you a company on your drive to work and give you all of the best expert analysis that we can from our very biased points of view. The smart point of view, of course. Joe, they signed a couple guys after we last recorded. They signed Darquez Denard to a one-year deal, and they signed unrestricted free agent from New York, defensive end slash defensive tackle carry win and slash special teamer because i think he brings a lot of value there uh apparently i I was reading a lot of giants fans comments on carry win because obviously he's more interesting of the two signings because dark was denard has been here we know who he is the interesting part for that is that he actually came back after signing bw webb but on carry win i'm reading giants fans comments and they seemed actually more upset to lose win than they were when the Bengals signed bw webb and most of it was because he made a lot of plays in preseason. And I can relate because we've, we've had a bunch of guys like that that have done, you know, either big splashy plays, special teams plays, just showed up in the last week three, week four of preseason. And you never want to let those guys go because you always think they're going to develop into something more. Uh, with Win four and a half sacks in four years. So he hasn't had the production that, that you would hope for somebody that's getting signed really on week two, maybe verge of week three for free agency. But he can help. Positional versatility is there with playing end as a run defender and kicking you inside and and being able to rush as a defensive tackle. That is a need on the Bengals roster. I still think this is a need, not only because Wynn hasn't really been the productive uh, player that you would expect in that role, 
but also because he's on a one-year deal now. So for me, that still remains a need. And at corner, if this is a one-year deal for Darquez Denard, I would say uh, we can take need off of the table, even though it's a one-year deal for him. But with BW Webb signed also, their depth looks really good. Honestly, uh, that's four guys right there that are getting paid decent money at corner. And then Devontae Harris and Darius Phillips, who they drafted last year, who they like. I will be interested to see when a cornerback pick comes. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like last year in the fifth round again. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, cornerback, I don't expect them to take early again. And maybe one of the, I mean, I think Dark Quesnard found that his market wasn't what he thought it would be, right? He wanted to get sure. like an outside corner and nobody wanted to give him that much money. And I think like, he probably wanted to find a long-term deal that was at least equal to what he made this year too. And he made eight and a half million dollars in 2018 because it was his fifth year option on a first round pick deal. Yeah. Paul Denner said he he originally wanted $10 million and obviously that did not happen. We don't know what the Bengals ultimately gave him, but I I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the 6 million to eight, eight and a half, maybe at max, just because that's what he made close to last year. And that would make sense. But I think he's making a mistake betting on himself. Now, I don't know what type of offers he got out there. So I'm I'm speculating. But I think for him, uh, if he's hung up on being an outside corner and eventually getting paid more because of it, I just don't think that's his strength. And coming back for one year, unless William Jackson or Darquez Denard get hurt, and even then, it's not a guarantee. Or maybe he got the, the nod from them that he would be the first guy off the bench to go and be a boundary corner rather than BW yeah. Webb. I think there's still that that could be debated when that if we ever have to cross that bridge. Well, yeah, I think if Dre gets hurt, it's like a step down at two positions to move Darquez Denard to the outside versus right. a step down at one of your corner positions if you put BW Webb in that spot, right? So Right. A thousand snaps for BW Webb last year, two hundred and fifty or so in the slot. He's most of his career has been on the boundary. His his best production's been inside on yeah. a limited basis, but you know, I think you would move him outside first. Yeah. And just a few words on Wynn. We had we exchanged opinions on this when news broke that he was visiting Cincinnati on Twitter. And I I mean the way I see it is he's never been a productive pass rusher. You pointed out that he's been used maybe a little bit more creative, like in, in ways you can't use guys like Andrew Billings, who's been more productive as a pass rusher in, in his career. But Billings, like you said, isn't going to run, you know, stunts with your defensive end around the edge. Right. And if he is, right. he's not, you know, it's not he's not getting there. <laughs> right. And that's, that's part of the reason why it's okay to sign a guy like Wynn is because like I kept mentioning interior defensive line, in my opinion, can be a starter. You know, that guy next to Geno Atkins in your nickel role. Now I don't know if Wynn just slides into that spot. I don't know if he's good enough to do that. Right. Cause we would, we want more out of that position. That would be like signing Brandon Marshall at linebacker and just playing him and saying, okay, we fixed linebacker. No, in my opinion, I think this is still a, a, I right now I have as their top two needs written down linebacker and interior defensive line. And when I say interior defensive line, it's that nickel rusher that's going to go next to Geno Atkins. And uh, no, but maybe Wynn can help as a rundown end to rotate a little bit with those guys. They got hurt really bad at defensive end last year. Jordan Willis did not take another step and he, he, allows you to play special teams with them. If you remember last year, Sam Hubbard and Jordan Willis were on a lot of special teams plays. Wynn hopefully sure. slides in there and alleviates that role for those guys to hopefully they can develop more on defense. Yeah, and if Wynn, if that's what Wynn is, if he's like sometimes in on third downs or if he takes a step on third downs rushing from the interior, great. But if he if he's primarily a run defender on rundowns on the edge to rotate with your, your Dunlaps and your Hubbards, 
then sure, that's that's fine for me. I'll I'll want to see what the numbers are. I hope they didn't commit a lot of money to him. I think that combined, these two contracts for these two players are probably going to be a cap hit around nine million dollars. Just sure judging from what they've done in the past and the fact that they have a nine and a half million dollar rookie pool they're currently at like 29 million dollars over the cap so if these two guys combine for nine million they're down to 20 million and then you have another nine and a half off that number for your rookie pool and then you're going to end up cutting some of those guys or moving some of them to the practice squad or whatever it is and then they'll be into the season around 10 million dollars under the cap again which is right in line with where they've been most years and if they want to extend Tyler Boyd, then I'm sure they'll put some money um, into this year's deal to help uh, eliminate some of that cap sure. space. Even though they normally carry some, if you're going to extend these guys, it's a good opportunity to use this money while you can. Yeah, they have the money. They they might as well. I mean, either way, I guess, you know, it's either rolled over or it's sure. used this year. So it's six, one half dozen, the other. But those are the signings that they made. I am pretty happy, I think, I would say, about the Darquez Denard signing. I think that that makes them better than they were before he re-signed. It doesn't make them better than last year, necessarily. Although, Darquez Denard could play more like 2017 than 2018, in which case they would be a little bit better than they were last year. It gets them better because B.W. Webb is a better fourth guy now. So, you know, and now they have better... fifth round picks from last year? Exactly, yeah. Well, we don't know that for sure, but okay. No, but he should be. They're paying he should him to be. be. Yes. <laughs> So we hope he is. Uh, it, it at least gives them more depth of guys that have experience. And that's a good thing. for You know, considering I didn't feel very good about B.W. Webb being the nickel guy or relying on him. I thought a corner would be coming in the first three rounds. So it's nice to actually sign a guy that you don't feel like you have to put a pick in. And, and we kind of have done this, and we'll do this when we go through the mock drafts, where we at right tackle and right guard with John Miller and even um, – and Bobby Hart, but also with Preston Brown, where we kind of said, well, those are your starters at those three spots this year. You don't have to force a pick. I think Dark Denard actually is one that I feel good about retaining and not forcing a pick. Yeah, and it's not like it's a terribly strong corner class anyway, right? So from right. the Bengals' front office point of view, they're probably pretty happy that now we don't have to go force a first two-round corner. We have a year of cushion time here before we have to really figure this out. Exactly. And that's that's exactly what what we've been arguing or at least hoping for the entire offseason is that they would do this, even if it's low end free agents like a carry win. It at least alleviates the need for them to have to dive in. Now, having said that, they haven't brought in an outside or an outside free agent linebacker. I don't want to say an outside linebacker or even though they probably need an outside linebacker. Now, point is they've left one big hole so far on this team uh, and it's at linebacker. Yeah. That's the one that's the one position you can really say they have not addressed that they need to address. That yep. being said, let's get into our mock draft Monday here. Let's address it, right? And, and see if we're going to address it or not. You really feel the pressure to address it when it's the one glaring need, right? Uh, I mean, let's see what happens here. I, I kind of thinking this week maybe we'll take a tackle and say maybe he's not starting this year, but this is our – we can cut Bobby Hart next year. So – Joe, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. All right, here we go. Let's get started. We're using a custom board this week. We didn't yeah. put much thought in the custom board, but we wanted to make sure it uh, went a little more even, at least in the first round. Yeah, we're, we we got a little bit sick of seeing Kyler Murray fall to 11 because I think Kyler Murray's going to go number one. So Yeah, I wish we could trade for Josh Rosen in this scenario. We could... 
we could pretend. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> Kyler Murray goes number one to the Arizona Cardinals, and so far this simulation is off to a flying start until Byron Except Murphy Byron goes. Murphy. Yeah, Byron Murphy goes number five to Tampa Bay. Dwayne Haskins is the heir apparent to Eli Manning in New York at number six. So to summarize the top ten before the Bengals Ooh. are on the board, Kyler Murray, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Quinn and Williams, Byron Murphy becomes the first questionable pick for me. Dwayne Haskins at six, Ed Oliver at seven, Devin White at eight, DK Metcalf at nine, Jonah Williams. Murderous row right there, man. At Ed 10. Oliver, Devin White, Jonah Williams. Like, ooh, ooh, each one was a dagger. I was. I mean, even Dwayne Haskins and DK Metcalf, you could say, sure. are guys you would consider, obviously, right. at 11. So, so for the Bengals, you know, do you want to draft an edge rusher and scoop up by, uh, Brian Burns, who's fallen a little bit here? Do we want to go the tight end route this week? Rashawn Gary is a guy we know they have a top 30 visit with. He's on the board. Christian Wilkins is a guy that's been at the top for Jeff Hobson Hobson for the whole offseason. The next best tackle is Juwan Juwan Taylor. Taylor. So there are options here that you feel okay about. But, you you know, you miss on your blue chippers for sure. Yeah. Well, except a tight end. Right. Blue chip at tight end. And I I, honestly, I think the way Brian Burns – um, the more I watch him, the more I'm like, he if he goes top six, don't be surprised. Brian Burns, the edge rusher out of Florida State. Uh, Greedy Williams is listed as the best player available on this one. But like we just said with corner, I'm not against it still. If you're going to take a tackle, you might as well take a corner also and just say we're a year away because Denard's on a one-year deal. Um, you could uh, potentially upgrade or move on from Drake Kirkpatrick and Greedy Williams would slide into that slot. So I'm not completely against Williams. I just don't love him. He's got a lot of the things I like usually with length, speed, and ball skills. Uh, he's very similar, in my opinion, to William Jackson, and I think he gets drafted a little closer to where Jackson was drafted. Which is around 20. Yeah. So, for who's your top three here? I think my top three are probably Brian Burns, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I was going to say those same three. I'm not against... Uh, Looking at Cleveland Farrell or Monta Sweat either. I'm not high on Rashawn Gary, even though he would be that interior rusher. And I think the Bengals are thinking about it, right? They're they're looking they're, they're, that's a top thirty visit that we know of. So they're they're looking at it for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with a top thirty visit on most of the guys that are remaining on this board right here. And in terms of Fant, Hawkinson, I wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. ended up with one on Burns or Greedy Williams, uh, to e- be even, honest. Because even maybe Jerry Tillery. They could, sure. you know, probably looking at the second round. They sure. would hope, but Juwan Taylor, Cody Ford. They met with Cody Ford, I believe, at the combine. Um, so yeah, we are in the range of this is one of the worst case scenarios, but one we should flesh out. And for me, someone said to me today, "Well, do they really need a tight end?" It wasn't today. This was earlier this week. I'm sorry, but they said, "Do we really need a tight end?" Because I listed it still as need, and I said, "Yeah, with Eifert still on a one year deal." And let's be honest about C.J. Ozama. He is a Okay, number two, solid number two, uh, but he's not the model of consistency either. I would like to still get a future tight end one on this roster. And for me, with the guys they have, I mean, I, I could flip a coin with Hawkinson or Fant, to be honest sure. with you. Yep. And I and I think with the two guys you have in Eifer and Uzama, if you wanted to get someone that was different that could also play now and help the offensive line, it would be TJ Hawkinson. He's a great blocker and a fantastic route runner and has fantastic hands. I think not only would he help you this year in the run game and with and in blocking, maybe even some in pass protection, he would end up being your wide tight end from day one, which yeah. is something they really don't have on the roster. Yeah, I agree. I'm on TJ Hawkinson here as well with a slight it's it's very small for me over Brian Burns because I think Burns is 
potentially a stud edge rusher at the next level. And it's actually really hard for me to pass him. But with Rob Gronkowski retiring, yeah, I want the best tight end in the league. And, and if it's not George Kittle out in San Francisco, maybe it's his, his Iowa buddy TJ Hawkinson here. And it's also, I think, really slim between Hawkinson and Fant, except for, like you said, Hawkinson has better tape in the run blocking and the inline yeah. style. He's, he's a little bit of a worse athlete than Fant as we all expected, but it doesn't show up that much on tape, right? Like you can see it a little bit, but he's still an athlete. Fant's a 99 percentile tight yeah. end. I mean, yeah. he's more freaky than DK Metcalf. If you compare just by position, uh, Fant's a freakier tight end than Metcalf is a wide receiver. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a big slight to say he's the worst athlete. I'm talking TJ Hawkinson in this scenario. Yeah. Uh, I just think blocking wise, route running wise, polish wise, hands too. Hands are way better than Noah Fant. Hawkinson is a fantastic tight end prospect. Yeah, I think I'm on Hawkinson here. Let's go with that pick and see what we get going forward. So this, you know, who we didn't consider though, real fast, Drew Locke, Devin, Devin Bush. Oh, Devin Bush. Right, he does. He's not listed here. That's why we didn't right. name him. But in this scenario, I could definitely see the Bengals pulling the trigger on Devin Bush. Yeah, and Bengals fans out there, just so you're all aware, there are a good number of people that think Devin Bush has better tape than Devin White does. We and, talked about it last week, right, on the mailbag Friday, I believe. Yeah, to some degree, you're right. We did. We did talk about it on Friday. But just to reiterate to those of you that missed it for whatever reason, go back Devin and listen. Bush, my point. Yeah, go back and listen for sure. Devin Bush is not necessarily a reach. I mean, it's probably a little bit of a reach. Not a huge reach necessarily at 11. Just because Mox up until now had him in round two or your mock draft simulator had him in round two doesn't mean that if the Bengals pick him at 11, it's a massive leap. It's similar to the John Ross thing. And people are going to get mad when I say that. What? They over, they overdrafted Ross. No. Well, they didn't. He was there in our round two, and a lot of people were targeting him then. And then he blows up the combine, the same way Devin Bush did. And, and un, unexpectedly for Bush, I think, more than was for Ross. But uh, point being is when you now can't get them at 42, you have to put them in the bucket of guys you have to consider at 11. So that's what we're doing with Bush, and you have to do that because if you like him and really like him, well, you can't say, well, I hope he's there at 42. No, you have to debate if you yeah. want him at 11. Because he's not. I mean, Mac Wilson might be, and then you can talk about whether Mac Wilson is your target in round two, which I think is fine. I mean, honestly, the stuff I've watched on these two guys, Devin Bush was blitzed a lot. And, yeah. I, you know, he's he's got the sideline to sideline range, but... It, you know, asking him to drop into a hook curl in the middle of or, or, or a Tampa two in the deep mid, like he doesn't have that on tape so much. No. Right. So, if, if we're comparing the top three guys, and we've done this earlier a couple weeks ago, but these guys tested as much better athletes than Wilson did. Wilson yeah. is a very good athlete in his own right, and he's better in coverage now. These two are better against the run, White and Bush. Yeah. So are we on Hawkinson? Yes, let's, let's pull the trigger on let's Hawkinson. Let's take a blue chipper and move on. And And to be clear, I could just as easily do Fant here. We've we've done Hawkinson before. We're going to do Hawkinson again right now. Yeah, and I could just easily do Brian Burns. I'm with you on that because I think if you give me that, we start to play a little more three four or three three five looks. He he gets the Von Miller role in my opinion, which yeah. I think he, he might be able to do. And and the next three picks are Noah Fant, Brian Burns, Cleveland Farrell. So all those guys we were considering, bang bang bang. Yep. Uh, Green Bay is probably thinking, man, we were hoping to get a tight end later, but with one of them gone, we better take one now. And on we go. There go some tackles. Yadnik adjust and potentially Cody Ford off the board. Devin Bush goes to the Steelers, which I think we all hate. Jawan Taylor goes to Baltimore, which 
I also don't really like Mac Wilson goes to Oakland, so we miss on all of the linebackers. And toward the end of the first round, Jerry Tillery, Greg Williams, Greedy Williams. Sorry, Greg Little, Greedy Williams, Andre Dillard. So we miss out on actually quite a few of the second round targets there toward the end of yeah, the first round. Mac Wilson, yeah, you're right. So on to round two? On to round two. Well, we still have our, our big needs then, and that means we went uh, tight end in round one. I'm just writing this down here because I still want to get, at some point, uh, someone that can help interior rushing and a linebacker, obviously. Yeah. Top of the board, Draymond Jones, Ohio State, would fill that interior rush really well. Rashawn Gary is still there, too. Oh, I, I think... did not see that. Look at that. They're getting smart on Rashawn Gary, huh? I think I think he'll get scooped up pretty quick here. So let's start the second round, and there goes Rashawn Gary and Draymond and... Jones. God damn it. <laughs> Just as you expected, Irv Smith goes 2-6. So Winovich. Oh, yeah, there you go. Probably, uh, if you listen to Pro Football Focus, should go ahead of Rashawn Gary. So the top five on this board are wide receiver Paris Campbell from Ohio State, center Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina State, Deontay Thompson, safety Alabama, Justin Lane, corner Michigan State, and Trayvon Mullen, corner Clemson. I'm not really looking at any of those guys. The first name, maybe, I was gonna maybe say, I'm looking at Garrett Bradbury. but I was, uh, That's who exactly. I was only going to say Garrett Bradbury to bring him up for debate. Are we not considering center anymore because of John Miller being signed as the right guard? He's He looks like, based on the way he's paid, the right guard for at least the next two years. Uh, Billy Price, that means, is the center. And where would you feel getting a, um, a Garrett Bradbury? Would it be worth it in, in terms of, I'm not sure he'd even play. Bradbury? Yeah, I mean, I think he'd play. I think he'd help, but I just don't think the Bengals, or maybe I'm thinking old Bengals, would make the smart choice here. I would say that he should play. I don't know that he would play. Right. Uh, I I was going to say, I saw you highlight uh, Jeffrey Simmons there at defensive tackle. I sure did. Jeffrey Simmons is still on the board. Of course, he would not play this year, so in, in... The looking to the future theme in the second round, I think that is fantastic value. Other names that stand out to me right now are A.J. Brown, Mississippi wide receiver, Charles Amenehu, Edge, and I think he could probably go inside on third yep. downs, right, from Texas. That's definitely what he does, yep. Um, Juan Thornhill, Juan Thornhill safety, safety corner. Mm-hmm. Not that we need a safety, but we've, we've talked about it a few times that we end up getting in that position. He could do Will a bit of both. To, Zach Allen's there, Sure, there's nothing here. Jermaine Pratt's the only guy I'd consider. I know you don't love him. Blake Cashman, honestly, I'd consider him here. I think he's going to start to go in this range. I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't there in the third round in, in real life when we get there. Uh, so for me, honestly, it's the the number one guy on my board would be Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think we actually agree on this one as well. I mean, the only other ones I'm really thinking about is I'm thinking about A.J. Brown, but you could you could convince me very easily that he's a slot guy. Hakeem Butler is there too. We took him in the second round last week. Yeah, looking let at me, quarterback Daniel Jones. Daniel, yeah, Jones. Daniel Jones in the second round. That's he's a guy there. that the Bengals and they met with him at the combine. I bet they would pull the trigger if he was still there. I, I kind of think they would too. You know, I'm kind of nervous they do it at 11. So as as they keep eliminating <laughs> needs in the draft, I'm getting yeah. nervous about Daniel Jones at 11. But oh. let me talk about Jeffrey Simmons as you draft him. He's a defensive tackle from Mississippi State. He would have gone top 15, in my opinion, had he not torn his ACL uh, while training for the combine. And he's a 6'3", 305-pound, three-tech pass rusher. I mean, he is every bit as good, in my opinion, as uh, maybe Ed Oliver. He's not the same. I don't think he's the same athlete, but I think – 
production-wise, winning-wise, how often he flashes, Jeffrey Simmons is just as good. And if he didn't have an incident in high school, he pushed a woman down, I believe, and, and since then he's been a, a model character for the uh, for the Bulldogs. But had it not be for that, I think we would have been talked about as a top 10 lock for a lot of teams. Yeah, and, I think people were talking about him that way before he got yeah. injured. Yeah, and that was barring testing, obviously, and he won't be able to do that. But in the second round... This is, he did it in February, late January. If he had surgery right away, which I don't know, there is a chance he could play the final few weeks. Uh, and it usually takes an extra year for defensive linemen. So this would definitely be a future draft pick. Much in the way we spent with the first, uh, the, the picking a tight end and then picking a defensive tackle, we're definitely aiming for 2020 uh, to see these results. Yeah, we're BPA at both spots here, right? Like we don't yep. have a tackle to tell you he's going to be able to succeed uh at right tackle when if bobby hart moves on or if he gets hurt or got you know god forbid i'm not wishing injury on anybody but uh and jeffrey simmons is unlikely to even play in 2019 so this this is building for the future and this is i think true best player available two guys that are blue chip talents that could be cornerstones going forward you could Uh, end up with two first round picks by doing this i mean in in my mind be taking simmons and then you you, it may be a year but you're going to get the value yeah, and, and he gets to learn, you know, from, from Gino, which is yeah. everybody's dream, right? Yep. Uh, just rounding out the second round, Charles Menehue did go just a few picks after we picked at uh, 15 to Carolina. Paris Campbell went at 11, actually. A.J. Brown went at 18. Juan Thornhill, 22 to the Texans. Uh, let's see. I saw Garrett Bradbury's name. Daniel Jones, 32nd pick in the second round to the New England Patriots. And I mean, I feel like any of these top QBs, if they go to New England, so if if Drew right. if Drew Locke, Daniel like Jones, Will Greer go to New England, sure, write him down as the next Tom Brady. And, and Don't and, let him get Tyree Jackson. Oh, that's a little scary. <laughs> I, just, I, but like, I want to see that. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, sure. Why not? He'd probably get traded for like seven first-round picks in a couple years. Be amazing. When, when Tom Brady's still winning Super Bowls at 45. I'm going to go to the third round with really no needs need addressed. Right. We still uh, need a linebacker. You still need an interior pass rusher for 2019, even though you've addressed that for 2020 and beyond. Yeah. And looking at the top part of the board here, it's running back, safety, corner, Don't interior let Elton lineman. Jenkins make it. What's up? I said, don't let Elton Jenkins make it to us because I'm gonna. Be, that's gonna be top of my board. I can. See. I was gonna say, don't let Hakeem Butler get to me because then I'm picking Hakeem. Butler. <laughs> that's funny. So off we go. And there goes Taylor Rapp. Elton Jenkins is gone. One temptation's gone, but uh, oh, Hakeem Butler. Heartbreak yeah, City. One pick we before we pick. He won't Your be there in the third McCoy's round anyway. Not there either. All right. So Hank McCoy's brother. Hank McCoy. Like the the comic beast, book. yeah. That's okay. right. <laughs> so you're. I was gonna say I'm very much in agreement with Chris Lindstrom of Boston College being at the top of this board. Of the uh-huh. Yeah, I was gonna say Chris Lindstrom at the top is tempting. He's an interior lineman. Ocean we gotta look Zimenez, at an edge rusher from Old Dominion could fill that edge rusher spot that you're talking about. I don't know if he can kick inside or not. I don't know enough about him. We do have to look at linebacker. Jermaine Pratt is still there. I think in the third round is is appropriate for Jermaine Pratt or Blake Cashman. Maybe we go Only Blake Pratt. Cashman this time. I, I was going to say, do you want production in 2019? Because Pratt is going to be an inside linebacker. And with 
Preston Brown already locked up for this year at, at least. I feel like Pratt would be a waste or would be a Sam 4-3 linebacker. He would not be out there in coverage or Brown wouldn't be. Some, one of the two wouldn't be playing and probably would be Pratt early on. I would say let's go Blake Cashman for the weak side linebacker spot to help in coverage, add some athleticism to this roster. Yep. Looking at the other linebackers here, Joe Giles, Terrace tested poorly. They Sam met with Ty- Travion I mean, Conley. Tavon Conley? Yeah. Tra- uh, I, 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 having recently watched him, he graded really well from pro, fo- pro football focus and coverage, but he is slow. Yeah. He you know, has no, if he had any explosion to his game, if he had any burst to his game, I'd be like, yeah, Tavon Coney, he's a smart guy. He's in the right place. He can take on blocks, but he, he, he looks so incredibly slow. I'm just saying the Bengals, uh, apparently met with him after the pro day. Oh, did they? Yeah. That was on, uh, Twitter today. I mean, he's he's from from what I've heard from Notre Dame fans, he's uh, he's a good leader. He's a foundational piece of the Notre Dame defense. But he had Jerry Tillery and a really good defensive line playing in front of him there, and you can you can see that he's sometimes not very willing to take on blocks uh, and and just you know it's just too easy to wash him out of a play. With, I think Blake Cashman or, makes a lot of sense here. Yeah. Tested like a high-end athlete. He would be easily be the most athletic linebacker on the roster. Uh, when you go back and watch the tape, you kind of go, wow. If this guy was talked as a first-rounder and then had that testing, we would be much higher on him. I wouldn't be surprised if you take him and if he's here in the third round and, and whoever drafts him. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a very, very good linebacker. The issue with Blake Cashman, just like the issue with you know Bill, uh, Ben Burkirvin, who's another – you know, former safety type linebacker that I really uh, like in the middle to late rounds is he's going to get washed out. And that's why you put him at weak side. Yeah. You, you have to hide him. You got to hide him game. a little. Yeah. Will Greer goes at the end of the third round in this mock draft. Jermaine Pratt went at the end of the third round as well. Will Greer to the Panthers, by the way. Renell Wren, Cowboys, D-line. Man, yeah. I really like that pick there. That's a pretty good pick at that point in the draft. Connor Cowboys McGovern. just signed George Iloka also. Indeed. Just thought I'd throw that out there while we mentioned the Cowboys. That's a good point. So I love if, this draft so far, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. For, for, for the Bengals? Yeah. Hawkinson, Simmons, Cashman? Sure. You can't be yeah. upset with that. No, I, I think this would be a home run so far. And as things are going really well through the first three rounds of the draft, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with the fourth and fifth rounds, and then we'll do a summary and talk about kind of where these guys fit in to 2019 and beyond. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. 
Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me, switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like Jay Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get into industries, like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. At the top of the board heading into the fourth round is... Hey, they, they've adjusted on Lamont Galliard. Look at this. They have. Uh, at the top, though, of the of this particular board is Miles Sanders, running back Penn State, who the Bengals running back coach was working out at the Penn State Pro Day last week. Let's let it roll and see what happens. Miles Sanders is gone. The San Francisco 49ers at the site with the second pick of the fourth round. So now we, the Bengals, are on the board. And we are looking at this point, we're going to look at interior defensive line. Kalen Saunders is still there. And I think that's a pick running away as he has been every week. But for the sake of. I'm not ready to take another D tackle. Well, you said we need one for, for this year. Well, let's let's see if we can find an end that can kick inside. Yep, that's where we're going next. And looking at this list. Your boy John Kaminsky from Charleston and West Virginia is there. That's right. 
I, Man, it's a it's a bad list. Don't <laughs> know a, the rest of these names you, very well. Ideally, you don't want to get into the fourth round looking for a pass rusher in almost any draft. I'm, I'm meaning any year. You really don't want to end up there. Yeah. What's there at tackle and guard? I think it, this would be a fine time to add some depth. Ooh, Nate Davis is my man. Titus Howard, Max Sharping. This has turned out to be a fantastic scenario. Yeah. So which way do we go? I mean, my default was Max Sharping, but then you mentioned Nate Davis. I know you loved him at the Senior Bowl, right? But he's more of a guard, in my opinion, right. even though he played right tackle. I think they need a swing guy for this year. Uh, Titus Howard, in my opinion, uh, former tight end, moves really well, is still on the rise in terms of uh, development and, and rounding out his game into an into a full-on pass protector at tackle. But I do like Titus Howard. I think Max Sharping also in the fourth round is ideal. So I would go, go. I'd go Titus Howard for the up, athletic upside. And we, we see the reason I'm saying Titus Howard is because we are presented with the opportunity to allow him to develop because we have our two starters for 2019. So maybe Howard, maybe he has to play a couple games because Glenn can never stay healthy. That's fine. Get his feet wet. But then in 2020, 2021, even it, whenever that transition starts to happen, maybe then he he becomes uh, your starter. What do you have? Uh, for grades here on, on Howard. We don't have him on our list here. Man, they, don't, they didn't grade Alabama State then, huh? No. That's probably why. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have him on our list. Max Sharping, however, is on our list. He had a fantastic 2018 and 19 in pass protection. Very good pass protector and above yeah. average run blocker. Hits the I arm could, length, you know, yeah. minimum. I could get on Max Sharping too. I thought uh, he showed up um, very well in, in terms of when I was at the Senior Bowl, also, and and he just went about his business. I, I I'm I'm did we have we taken Titus Howard before or Sharping? I don't know if we have. No, we we I don't think we've ever we've talked about Sharping a lot, but I, as one of our late round favorites, and I don't think he's ever fallen to us. Right. Titus Howard, we definitely have not picked. Max Sharping was much better in the shuttle drill. And he was four six nine, which is still out of the the range but only one guy was in the range so but it depends on which range you're looking at too there are acceptable starters at the 469 of course yeah i'm just saying uh you know for, in terms for the of pro ideal. bowl or whatever yeah yeah i'm okay with either one uh i've taken titus howard myself a few times so if you want to go max sharping i'm more than cool with that pff backs him up he tested a little bit better than howard both were at the senior bowl yeah i i I pulled the trigger on Max Sharping. I think either is fine. I think even Nate Davis is fine. There, there are three tackle picks there that you feel good about. I think you also feel pretty good about picking Kalen Saunders, uh, but we've we've done that a lot. And he ended up going to the Green Bay Packers. So at least he didn't go to a division rival in this fantasy world of Mock Draft Monday. And I was going to say um, Titus Howard went two picks after we took Max Sharping. And Buffalo. Yeah, so far for me, honestly, I feel this is – fantastic draft and value at every spot, especially because you're getting a swing tackle that definitely can be your tackle number three uh, this year as number four. I think Sharping is high floor, uh, maybe not the highest ceiling, but at the same time in the fourth round, what are we asking for? You either want one or the other, and and this guy could step in and play for you if you need it in 2019. Yeah, and we're only going five rounds today, so this is going to be our last round here in the fifth. I'm looking at Daryl Henderson there. Uh, near the top of the board. I, I love Daryl Henderson as a uh, running back to take over uh, Gio's Bernard Gio's role in the future. 
What, hear that. what positions are we looking at here? Maybe wide maybe receiver corner at that corner, point? quarterback. Yeah. Cause I think they still need a backup. Um, I would be interested in Brett Ripien. Who's, who's at the top of this list. Yeah. So let's see how the top part of the round goes before we pick at 11 in round five. And uh, nobody. Renfro. Yeah. Nobody's David really Sills. picked it. We were really looking at that hard. Maybe David Sills. Marcus Lodge. Demarcus Please. Lodge actually is somebody that I would have considered in the fifth round, especially in the fifth round. I, I would consider Demarcus Lodge in the third round if you're looking at a wide receiver. I can't believe Daryl Henderson is this low on uh, this board we're using, and that he's still there. Honestly, I think Daryl Henderson he could make you want to let Joe Mixon walk in two years. I think he's that good. I won't be surprised if he went in the second round. So Daryl Henderson is certainly running back to the top. Memphis. I, I, I feel like we, you know, people can't see our board. We keep talking like uh, you can see it sometimes. We're talking David, about a running back here in the in the fifth round. I don't yeah. think that's too early. That I think is the appropriate time to consider running back if you're the Bengals. Uh, maybe it's actually the sixth round this year because they have so many picks there. Sure, it'll depend on who's there. David Long, the cornerback from Michigan. Oh uh, yeah, I would be all over David Long. Is a choice here. Uh, looking at linebacker, if you wanted to double dip, Sion Takitaki, Ben Burkirvin. Terrell is, Hanks is a guy that a lot of people liked and liked him before the senior bowl. He didn't show up and then liked him at the, like maybe he's going to do real well at the uh, combine and he did, he did not. not. So he's an interesting guy. I think he had a chance to be that second tier and he's still here in the fifth round for a reason. I can see the Bengals looking at a LSU defensive tackle at Alexander in a late round as well because they seem to like those SEC tackles, nose types in late will, rounds. Will you click on wide receiver? Yeah, let's look at wide receiver. Man, I'd much rather have five fifth-round picks than five sixth-round picks. To, well, of course. You know, right, but I'm just well, way the way this is looking, I'm like, man, there's a lot of guys I want right here in the fifth round. Yeah, Keyshawn Johnson is the guy that the Bengals are meeting with from Fresno State or maybe have met with. He's a top 30 pick for them. Jalen Hurd's fun out of Baylor, former running back. You get him on some screens and stuff, and he can, man, go to the house every time on those. Uh, just looking at this list a little bit, Greg Dortch is, is a fun slot guy. Preston Williams, some, a lot of people really like him. Gary Jennings is my man. He'll be there later. Tyree Brady is also a target of mine. Yeah. Receiver still, I, I feel like I can pick a guy in the sixth round. Yeah, there's some good depth at the receiver position this year. There is. I so, really like day three receivers this year. How did you not pick Daryl Henderson here, though? No, I don't think you can bypass that. Honestly, I think he's good enough to carve out a role not only this year, but um, he makes Geo expendable in 2020 and possibly makes – Honestly, I think he's that good. You type in Daryl Henderson's name on Twitter, go to the videos if you're listening, and just watch him because uh, Matt Waldman's got a great write-up and video breakdowns of him. He just looks like a uh, – honestly, he looks like a mix between Kareem Hunt and uh, Alvin Kamara. And I know those are two really good guys, but that's what he looks like. Yeah, I was going to ask who's your pro comp is his best case, Alvin Kamara and – uh, ben Fennel, uh, if you don't follow Ben Fennel, he's fantastic. I think he works for NFL Films. He yep. does great film breakdown stuff, has a lot of interesting insights. He tweeted something on March 23rd, which is yesterday. He said that Daryl Henderson had 55 runs of 10-plus yards on 214 carries. 25, nearly 26% of his runs, 25.7%, went for 10 or more yards. I think uh, his average was 8.3. It's insane. Yeah. It's 
silly insane. And I think he's a good receiver. At least uh, he's he's developed there for sure. Uh, but he is a he's a shorter guy, quicker running back that has good balance, good contact balance, a little squatty in him, good long speed. I mean, I just think Henderson, if he goes in the second round, don't be surprised. And they wear those Bengals helmets at Memphis. I forgot. Yeah, good, good, not great long speed though, right? Yeah, I mean, if he's a four or five guy. That's good enough. I think he's probably a tick faster long speed in terms uh, than than Geo. I don't think Joe Mixon or Geo either have fantastic long speed. I think yeah. both are just good enough. Yeah. And I would put Henderson in that category. I can't pass on Daryl Henderson here. He'll keep a very similar helmet to round out our five-round mock draft Monday here. TJ Hawkinson, Jeffrey Simmons, Blake Cashman, Max Sharping, Daryl Henderson. So in this version of the draft, we have one player who might contribute on the defensive side of the ball that's right. in 2019. Cashman. And that's Blake Cashman, who honestly, like, I, I think that a lot of people really like Blake Cashman, and that's all well and good. He, he's a, he, you, you will have to hide him from the running game in the NFL. I don't care. I, it's the only times, and it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say that right now because the Bengals got gashed really the last year and a half in the run game. Um but they've been so bad in the middle of the field and coverage and athleticism that, you know what, I'm ready to have a little bad in one area. Because they've been taking big downhill run defending linebackers for how long now, and they've still been bad against the run. So that's yeah. not giving them anything. At least give me the athlete that's going to make some plays. Yeah, maybe maybe he helps to take away the middle of the field where the Bengals just got killed so much in the passing game. TJ Hawkinson starts right away probably – at inline tight end, he's probably yeah. on a snap count, you know, yeah. as our He probably all- gets 20 snaps a game, which yeah. is fine. But he's starter caliber right away, I think. And he comes yeah. in and he contributes in the running game immediately, as many people have described him as an extra tackle who can also, you know, play tight end. And he contributes from that inline position. Jeffrey Simmons is a first-round pick next year. Yeah, he'll be on the pop the second list. Round this year. Uh, Blake Cashman probably starting weak side. weak side. Yeah, he moves right into where Perfect played, and he's probably a nickel linebacker for you. Honestly, it's probably Cashman and Vigil, which yep. I like the sound of that in terms of upgrading your nickel linebackers. Uh, I think that would definitely do it. I, I still think Vigil's the one guy I am most interested in on this roster uh, in terms of who has some development, and maybe Malik Jefferson gets about, there, maybe not. What about Jordan Evans? Have you given up hope? No, it's not that I did. You know what? Every time he got yelled at and every time he was out of position, it was mental with him. And uh, that didn't give me hope. You know, I, if a guy, yeah. you got all that athleticism, you go in the fifth round, you don't even get invited to the combine. There's, It's not just because they were concerned with his physicality and coming from a, a wide open conference. We've seen him be physical. It's that uh, I wonder if he, you know, is, is, and I hate to ever question the guy's mental aptitude without, you know, really knowing, but just from hints you, you get and, and things you see, you kind of wonder if he'll ever be more than a rotational player. But I really like him if he's a backup and, and a spot starter, sure. And and things were in a lot of disarray in his defense yeah. last year. So if he was going to take – what was last year? Year three for him, actually? Year two. Was last, that was year two. So if he was going to take a year two leap mentally, which is where a lot of that happens for linebackers, that was not a good year to take it. That – with, with you know – Especially because – Changing perfect. systems and perfect freelancing, yeah. Right, perfect freelancing. Preston Brown got hurt, who was going to wear the radio helmet, and then Vigil was going to wear it, and he got hurt. So yeah. it went through, and then you got Hardy Nickerson wearing the radio helmet. And I, I don't mean to laugh while I say that, but because he's a very smart guy, 
but he knew where he had to be, couldn't get to where he needed to be, and you could see how it affected everyone next to him. Hardy Nickerson was a detriment to that defense uh, on a lot of plays, and I think he ended up being graded decently by the end of the year by Pro Football Focus. And if he affected, yeah, he affected guys around him. They did not trust him to be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Actually, since we're talking about it, Tavon Coney, a guy that I think on the Bengals is a decent comparison for him, is Vinny Ray. At Vinny Ray's peak, I think I think that is probably Tavon Coney's peak. I, I think Vinny Ray is probably even a hint more athletic, but in terms of intelligence, being in the right place, doing your job, I think that's Tavon Coney. And I think that's also Hardy Nickerson, you know, in terms of uh, the sure. mental part and the special teams and just if, a good enough athlete. I think Vinny Ray is probably even when Vinny Ray was good, a, a better, better athlete. athlete. Yeah. yeah, oh for sure. I don't deny that. I just don't. You know, there was Vinny Ray, and it seems like his tenure and maybe even career is over with uh, at this point. Uh, he's a free agent. I interesting career, and he made made something out of it. Uh, but he, uh, for all of his good or solid contributions, there was a lot of man. You wish he wasn't there or out there. Well, one time, one one year, he was the Bengals' best linebacker. I know. I know. In the fourth That's round, how bad they've been. <laughs> I tried. I tried to make us not say that, but we said it anyway. In the fourth round, Max Sharping, Northern Illinois offensive tackle. I think he is a potential third round pick. He could slide into the fourth. I don't think that's unreasonable to say. Excellent pass blocking grades from Pro Football Focus. Looks like he could do the job as a run blocker too. Coming and from Steve a- Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus. I just want to mention this before we move. Um, he mentioned last week that if a guy grades in like nineties, yeah. he's going to be a solid pass protector in yeah. the NFL. So we're taking a good bet here that they are right. And plus, what we've seen isn't bad. There's a lot of lots to like about Mac Sharping. Uh, so you know we're getting a couple things here that really uh, support our pick here. Yeah, Steve Palazzolo said that for tackles that average a ninety plus in pass blocking in college, according to PFF. Those guys in the NFL average like a 74, I think, in pass blocking, which yeah. is well above average. And, and be their and best be on the team right now. By by a pretty significant margin. Yeah. Uh, and the – oh, the other thing I was going to say before I talk about Daryl Henderson is Max Sharping is coming from a mid-major conference, right? Northern Illinois. Is that the MAC? Yeah. Yeah, so – not necessarily the highest level of competition. There could be an adjustment period for him. So if he's your year one swing tackle, stepping in if an injury happens, great. I think that's a pretty good I place do. to be. Plus, I also like those smaller school guys because the upside is represented with them. Because yeah. uh, you get them in an NFL program, NFL coaching. Those NFL guys seem to, program, yeah, yeah. Those guys usually end up taking that leap in year two, and which is when we may need Max Sharpen. We may need him right away, but we may not. Sure. You may not want to need him right away, but you know what? It's yes. <laughs> and then in the fifth round, we rounded out with Daryl Henderson. So going into the sixth round, maybe we're looking at quarterback still. Maybe we're looking yeah. for a falling edge guy. Right. Maybe we're looking at another defensive lineman who can, or, or an edge guy who can kick inside as well. To I think another since... linebacker. Sure. Yeah. I think a wide receiver at this and, point. And, and there's four picks, right? Five. Five picks in the sixth round. Man. They've got to trade those. Uh, Two are back to back. I know, and and three of them are. It's what thirty eight. It's thirty seven, thirty eight, and forty. I yeah, think something like that yep. in the fourth round. So yeah, go wide receiver, linebacker, whatever. Find your fallers there, right? The guys that. Right. I mean, it's the end of the sixth round, so 
you end you up getting really you get one guy that sticks and it's a win. Or you trade all those picks to get into the fifth round and then you draft whoever I don't know somebody in the fifth round. Keyshawn Johnson. Brett Ripien looks like if uh, a long term backup. I mean, sure. I'd be interested. Sure. So we add two weapons to the offense who you could say they already have weapons there, but tight end, obviously we've talked a lot about the question marks there running back. I think you always need a quality third and Daryl Henderson could easily be the running back of the future. I love this draft. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm happy with the two defensive side of the ball. Blake Cashman probably comes in plays nickel at least in year one. And Jeffrey Simmons is year two. He's a starting defensive tackle. Yep. Yeah, I, and that's the thing, too, is with how the Bengals have uh, matriculated through free agency in, in the way they have, and, and honestly, it's been a weird free agency period for them in terms of signing guys we did not agree with, but also bringing a lot of low-end backups and space fillers uh, to alleviate some of these draft needs. And I think this is the first one we did last week. We still ended up attacking because I believe – Devin White was there, so we took him at 11. But this year, or th- in this week's mock, he wasn't there. So this is the first one we really got to embrace the, you know what, let's go with BPA and let's not expect these rookies to, or not need these rookies to step in and play a 1,000 snaps. And instead, yeah. l- hopefully we can develop them and get the best out of them down the line. And I think we did get BPA here at every spot, right? I would agree. Um, at least on our board. At least close to it, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah all these guys would be near the top of my board at um, each one of these picks, 100%. Yeah, and, and you could even argue that some of these guys are going around later than, than they should. Yep. Probably actually each of Almost the last of three. Yeah. So we got sliders here, and that's great because that means that we're getting value and they're going to contribute in the future. And right now, I, I think the team that is currently – rostered by the Bengals are your starters and are your, you know, majority of your snap players next year. I don't think that, I mean, maybe their first round, second round rookies get significant playing time, but I don't think they're leaning right. on the draft for. Right. Think of this step. scenario, even with someone may even say, well, linebacker, right. But think of the scenario, maybe Malik Jefferson takes a step or maybe they just say, you know what, you're going to be a run, um, run down outside linebacker right now. And our two nickel linebackers are Preston Brown and Nick Vigil. I can see that scenario playing out. I can yeah. see them saying, Jordan Evans, hey, year three, Jordan Evans took a step. Our three starters are Evans, Vigil, and Brown. I could see that. Even if they draft a guy in the second, third round of Blake, we're, all year we're banging the table, where's Blake Cashman? And someone makes a mistake. But I could see the Bengals leaning on the guys they have invested on recently that haven't played up to par or up to what we thought they could. Yeah, so the thing about Jordan Evans, right, is he has the athleticism and he's been in the oh, NFL no. program, right? And so yeah. if if it's just we need to get him into a solid defense, he's he's been in three def- three defenses? Yeah. It'll, yep. three, three, three-ish defensive systems, right? Because he started his rookie year in one and then Terrell Austin comes along and it's different. And then, and then halfway through the year, they switch back to Marvin Lewis's, you know, preferred style. And all the while, there's, there's tumultuous... Yeah, turmoil surrounding him at the linebacker position in terms of stability and quality of play. So, you know, maybe there's a leap there still to be had for Jordan Evans. And it's no surprise to me that the linebacker unit being the biggest need is also, in my opinion, the most underachieving unit on the roster. And yes, they haven't added a first round guy or a second round, but even Perfect was playing below what we expected. Uh, By far he was, but 
Evans is a good prospect and still is. And Malik Jefferson in the third round is a good prospect, still is. Yeah. I still like Nick Vigil and think he can do more. Uh, it, they're not devoid of talent. They're devoid of production and health and, and, and better coaching. And I think they could roll the dice and get all of those in 2019. Let's hope. I don't uh, want to bank on it, though, though. You know, no. I don't want to get that twisted. I still want to add yeah. a top three round, hopefully, linebacker, and then one more later. Yeah, that's fair. Well, that's been Mock Draft Monday. Remember to check out the new Himalaya app. You can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya app. Also, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you're getting it right now. Those will still be there, but encourage you to check out Himalaya. And when you get in your car, remember to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bengals. For Joe, I'm Jake. That's been Mock Draft Monday on your favorite Bengals podcast, Locked on Bengals. Have a good one, Bengals fans. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020 and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.